Well, as I said earlier, this has been a week to acknowledge the stories of women in the Bible that God has used, and I think to look at it from a little different perspective than what often comes to our minds, to show us that God put those stories there. They're not just for women, they're for all of us to learn from. But he put those stories there to show us that in situations and in circumstances, especially in the Old Testament, where women often didn't have much uh, room or any room to have a say over their lives, yet we see a God who used them powerfully and mightily to change history and to... uh, to eventually give them a voice. In each of these situations, God gave each of them a voice. As I said, in Esther, we saw, show us your strength. Here's this young girl, taken, sold into um, sex slavery, if you will, put into a harem and rise to become a queen and have to put that on the line and even forfeit her own life, perhaps. And yet God gave her a voice to save a people. Um, Ruth and Naomi, um, where Ruth said, you know, ended up saying, I'm going to follow you. Your God will become my God. And uh, the, the thing that we saw there was how many people's lives are put into change by a decision someone made. Uh, Naomi's husband made a decision. I'm not going to stay because of the famine. It's better over here. And so he went over there and died and left his wife and two sons, who eventually were married and had two daughter-in-laws Naomi had, and they died. And so... His decision had long-lasting effects on someone else's life. I want to title this message. I don't know if we managed to get it up there. She she made a wonderful uh, little thing for us there. Larissa, by the way, is very talented. That, That was part of it. We're getting there. There's a reason I'm waiting for it is because I don't remember it fully. Basically, what I want to say is God was not in it, but he will work through it. God was not in it, but he will work through You might want to take that into your spirit right now and put it there because at some point in your time in your life that's going to speak to you about a circumstance or circumstances in your life that God was not in it, but he will work through it. It says all things work together to the good, to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so today we're going to look at... uh, Show us your scars. I appreciate the testimony of Vera this morning. 
you know, she talked about a scar, you know, we look at it as well, finances, you know, she's working with her finances, but really that was a, a scar in her life uh, that she was willing to sh- share with us today, to show us, and that scar in her life and what it's done. We all have scars. Some of us don't mind showing our scars and talking about it. Others of us are more private, want to hide our scars and, and not show them. Most of you probably have a, a crazy uncle or aunt that wants to show you their scar. Oh, look at my scar. Let me show. I saw that at Walmart one time. Let me show you the scar. I'm like, no, I don't really want to see it. Um, <clears throat> Some scars are visible and they're physical scars. Others are emotional scars. Some of our scars are self-inflicted because of decisions we made. I've got several scars on my body because I said, watch this. And sure enough. I remember I, I got a pretty good scar on my knee. In fact, I had to go in for knee surgery. Now that nowadays they're so good at knee surgery for for minor stuff like I had meniscus. Giselle just went through that, and, and uh, they they just poke holes. You can't really glory in your scars anymore. They're they're almost invisible. But I had this big scar right along my leg here, and uh, and my. Uh, knee surgeon said, oh, you've already had surgery there. And I said, no, I had a nail. (laughs) And uh, I remember it real clearly. I made a decision to show off. We were out playing and, and my sisters could clear this log. And I was the youngest. I couldn't clear it. But I said, watch this. And I went to clear the log and I caught my leg on a nail and it ripped a hole in the side of my leg about that long. You could see, I'm going to be gory. You could see the fatty tissue. I was a chubby little kid, apparently. You could see the fatty tissue in there. And I remember my sister, uh, not my oldest sister, but the one next to me. She kept, she kept saying, my dad had to, we were out in the woods and he had to drive us quite a distance to get back and then get me to the doctor. My sister kept crying saying, hurry daddy, I can see his liver. Hurry, Daddy, I can see his liver. <laughs> Never forget that. We talked about it not too long ago. She thought she could see my liver. But uh, a lot of times the scars that are in our lives are because of decisions we make, whether they're physical or emotional. But sometimes the scars that are in our life are there because of someone else. Whether you were abused, or whether you abused, or whether uh, something happened to you that left an emotional scar. Some scars are made by others. In most of those cases... God was not in it. But he will work through it. Today I want to look at a woman in scripture that's pretty scarred. 
She's a polarizing character in Scripture. Uh, I think God left these things in Scripture so that we can see people are real and how he used and worked through those things. Anyway, she's a pretty polarizing character. Some people despise her for what she did or what they say she did. And others feel for her because what was done to her. I'm talking about the woman Bathsheba in the second book of Samuels, chapter 11, and we'll begin there. Just want to read here. Second Samuel 11, verse 1, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Reba. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after, after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home later when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant. She sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Now here's, here's an amazing thing. You gotta understand, it's, it's springtime. And it says, this is a time when kings go out to war. David decided, he made a decision to stay behind. All the other men of Israel go out to battle. David stays behind. So it's a matter of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's a matter of a man making a choice to not do what was expected of him to do. And so he stayed home. It says that he was had just woken up from his nap. And he went out and he walked on his rooftop. Very normal thing to do. Very natural. Happened all the time. That's what you did. It was cooler in the afternoons, early evenings. And he, would, he was out there walking around. And he sees Bathsheba. Now we, we hear the story. I've heard the story so many times. Bathsheba, the seductress, was out there bathing on a roof and should, shouldn't have been. But we see here in the story she's doing a ceremonial cleansing bath. Which is something that they did after having their menstrual cycle. They, they had a, a a time of purification, 12 days after that, they would have a, a ceremonial bath. Now, whether this was in her own home, it's not clear, or whether it was a place where a lot of women would go to to have this uh, bath. But David saw her, and he saw that she had exceptional beauty. At this point, no harm, no foul. 
No harm, no foul. David looked out. He saw a beautiful woman. No harm, no foul. But in every temptation, it's the five seconds afterwards of what you decide that gets you into trouble or not. When you have that temptation, it's that five seconds afterward and how you act on that that will lead you into trouble or lead you into freedom. David made a choice. It says he was captured by her beauty. He said, who is that woman? His servants came back with a couple of things. This is who she is. This is who she's married to. She's not available, David. David had made a choice, though. He said, bring her. Now, when you think of the scripture in that terms, he's saying, uh, another translation says, she was taken and brought to him. You see, this is a time of monarchy. He had all authority. He was the king. Did she have a choice? She could have maybe, maybe protested. It doesn't say whether she did or she didn't. What you did at those times, at that age of time, is you, you did what the king told you to do. She didn't know. He just said, bring her to me. So she was brought, Bathsheba was brought to David, and it said that he slept with her. He laid with her. She went home and found she was pregnant. Now, here's an amazing thing. She began to find her voice. She sent word back to him, I'm pregnant. In that time, she was putting her life on the line. The law called for her to be stoned to death. The the law called for her to be put to death as an adulteress. David's decision over this person because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and it led him to temptation and he made the wrong decision. It led to a scar in this woman's life that now scarred her forever as an adulteress. In fact, we read it today, centuries later, and you think of Bathsheba the adulteress, the seductress. It scarred her. It also was calling, the law would call for David to be put to death too, but I don't think they would probably rise up against their king and and do the same. But immediately what David began to do here, when he learned she was pregnant, he says, I've got to find out how to get out of this. We've got to find a way to get out of this. So he began to cover his sin, and he drew Bathsheba deeper into this web of deception. So he calls in her husband, Uriah, from the battlefield. He says to Uriah, now come and spend a couple of days. Go spend it at leisure with your wife. We'll get this covered. But Uriah is a man of integrity. And so the next morning it says when David wakes up and he goes out, he finds Uriah did not go home, but he slept at the gates saying, how can I go home and be with my wife when my men and the men I fight with are in tents and in battle? David couldn't get 
Uriah's integrity to break. He says, well, spend a few more days. Here, I'll even get you drunk. Uh, I'll get you, I'll get you drunk, Uriah. Now go home. But no, Uriah's integrity remained intact. He says, I cannot do this when I'm in battle and in, in the mind of battle and my men are in battle. <clears throat> so David now has to even make more webbing and he says, what am I going to do next? Well, he calls for Uriah to be sent to the front of the battle. He says, when he gets in the pitch of the battle, at the hottest point of battle, withdraw all the men. And he has Uriah murdered. Now Bathsheba is a scarred woman from adultery, but now she's a scarred woman because her husband is dead. God wasn't in it. But he will work through it. God wasn't in what happened to you, perhaps. Things happened to you that left scars. And God was not in it, but he will work through it. Not sure where I'm at in my notes. I write all these notes. I don't know why. I guess it's so I can end at noon. If you want to live an overcoming life, I think that is something that would really help you is looking at God from that perspective. He was not in it, but he will work through it. I think Sunday, going to church, is the best way to be at the right place at the right time. It's a great way to start your week out. Yeah, I could hear a few more amens to that. Thank you. I think it's a great place. Be at the right place at the right time to do the right things. David was at the wrong place at the wrong time. He should have been out at battle with his men. He was not. He should not have made these decisions, but he did. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Bathsheba, on the other hand, was at the right place at the right time. She was not doing anything wrong. And yet, these things happened. Well, we basically know the story how David planned Uriah's death 12 days later or at the time of mourning was over. I think it was seven days the time of mourning. Then he was married, trying to cover his deception. But Nathan the prophet came and gave a word to David. And, da- and he, he gave this word, he says, 
There was a rich man who had a lot of sheep. And he had a visitor, a guest come. And there was a very poor man that had one sheep. One little ewe, lamb is what he called. A ewe, lamb. And he loved that sheep. And he nurtured that that sheep. And he would hold that sheep in his arms. And when this guest come, the, the rich man would not... Use uh, even sacrifice one of his sheep, but he took the poor man's ewe lamb. What should be done, says Nathan. And David says, that man should be put to death. And he says, well, you have just spoken your own judgment. However, David immediately confessed his sin. I've sinned before God. I have sinned before God. And he sought forgiveness. I think, you know, for those of you who are really David fans, oh, he's my favorite character in the Bible. Well, I'll tell you, I saw a lot of statues of him in Italy. He's naked most of the time. But, uh, um, you know, you might be going, well, wait a minute, you know, David, David, you're, you're treading on one of my favorite characters. You know what? I think God left it in the Bible that way so that we can see this about David and we can relate to David and we can have hope because of David because he says of this, even though he did all these things, he failed in all these areas, he made bad choices, and I was not in it, but I worked through it, and he is a man after my own heart. And I love that. It gives hope to me. I make bad choices all the time. I'm like, I don't want to be angry today. I don't want to do this today. Um, And yet, it'll happen. And I have hope that God looks at me and he says, you're a man after my own heart. Because I've seen it in David. And God left it in the Bible so that I could see that and have hope. David was not guiltless, yet God still said of him, he is a man after my own heart. Now, he had terrible consequences in his life through this decision. The rest of his life was filled with difficulties, God working through it. There was a man named Dr. Stanley. Ever hear of Dr. Stanley? Well, there was another man before him named Dr. Livingston. And he'd gone to Africa on a missionary trip and hadn't been heard from for two or three years. And so Dr. Stanley was sent there to find Dr. Livingston. And uh, while he was about looking for Dr. Livingston... In one incident, he came to a tribal chief that did not like him. And his little group of people were surrounded by this tribe, and they were going to put them to death. But Dr. Stanley had a goat. And uh, he had the goat so that he could have goat milk for his nourishment. And he negotiated with this chief his life for this goat. Better keep your head and lose the goat. 
But a part of it was the chief said, we shall now cut covenant. And a part of that covenant was they had a common cup. They sliced their wrists. They bled into that cup. Then they bound their wrists together and mixed their blood. Then they drank of the cup. And then they put gunpowder on the on the, the cut. And it would scar it. And it would leave uh, more of a scar for that reason. And that was cutting covenant. Your scars are important. So, Dr. Stanley has now has this covenant scar on his hands. By the time he was done in his time in Africa, he had over 50 covenants cut in his arm. It's said in this one incident that he was again challenged by a chieftain of a, of a tribe that wanted to put him to death and he just peeled back his sleeve and showed this. That immediately said in that covenant, not only would I be against you, but I would be against these other 50 tribes would come after me because you've made covenant with them. Scars are important. The scars in your life are very important. Jesus When he died, it says he was wounded, he was scarred, he was pierced. Now get this, when he raised again, he was in a transfigured body. Everything about him was different. Everything about him was changed. In fact, uh, the women that first saw him thought he was the gardener. Others didn't recognize him. Who, who, who is this? But he kept one thing. He kept his scars. And he said to Thomas, put your finger in the scar. You see, we have scars in our lives. Bathsheba, in the midst of her scars, something happened. Eventually, Solomon becomes the successor to King David, and now he's the king, but she's queen mother. Solomon had another throne brought up, set next to him, and his mother would sit there. When she came to King David, she bowed down to him. Esther bowed down. When when Bathsheba walked in, it said of Solomon, he bowed to her. She found her voice by displaying and willingly accepting the scars in her life and saying, these scars are here as a testimony of the power of God in a person's life. She eventually sat at the right hand of the throne of David. Jesus, with his scars, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You have scars in your life that will tell a story to someone who needs it. Someone who needs your story. Someone who will benefit from you telling them about the scar in your life and how God worked through it. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you, there's some wonderful stories. 
about women, and I've been looking at them differently as I read into them, seeing how different it is from what I originally thought they were. I, I, I spoke about, was it Ruth or Esther? Anyway, Bob texted me during the middle of the week. He says, I've never looked at it from that perspective. I always looked at it this way. And uh, I hope I've been able to change some other minds to say, I've never looked at scars this way. Scars are important. Scars tell a story. We all have a story about our scar. I, mine is my liver in my knee. Liver knee. Amen. Your story is important. It says that one of the themes we've been speaking of throughout this is we are all a story being written by God for other men to read. And there are some people that will benefit from your story like nobody else. You're the only gospel that's going to really truly reach them, perhaps. And you're the gospel to them being written daily by the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. We have another uh, thing we want to do this morning before we uh, end. Um, the Wrigglesons uh, here are with us. And we're going to pray for them this morning. Um, they're feeling uh, led from God to um, look, um, follow, follow wherever he leads them, but they're looking for another church. And so they've come to us and said, this is what we're going to be doing. I honor that. I respect that. I'm glad for that. And we want to pray for you this morning. Will you come up? Let us pray for you. just like to first of all say uh, you'll be really missed but you're also my neighbor so I'll see you all the time (laughs) so you'll be uh, missed partly Mm -hmm. but we love you and we appreciate all that you've uh, done to be a part of us here and uh, and we pray that God has just the right place for you uh, and for your family you want to share anything with us? Not that I'm going to cry. <laughs> of course, it's always me. <laughs> um, this is a very difficult decision for us to make. And the reason we wanted to come here and, and be prayed for was because, you know, we're, there has been so much change recently, and we didn't want our actions to be misinterpreted. You all are family here, and and we love you all. Um, and the main reason we feel like uh, we should be moving on at this point is primarily because our um, our son, Yoan, who's three years old, um, was diagnosed with autism yeah, a few months ago. And uh, it, the diagnosis is not really, I mean, a big blow. It just represents, you know, the struggles that we've been uh, dealing with in raising him. 
Um, but it's made Sundays difficult. Um, you know, half the time we're not even. Josh is not even here because he's taking care of him at home, and uh, we just need uh, in this season for our family life. We need to find a place that has the resources and the infrastructure to help uh, care for him so that we can have a, a church experience as a family that we need. So, uh, again, we don't we don't intend to be strangers, you know. And we love you all and appreciate the support that you've had in, in so many um, milestones in our lives. We love you. Thank you. We, we, we plan to visit. <laughs> They've also researched um, churches that actually provide uh, ministry to ch- children with autism in their Sunday schools. Is that? That's correct. And yeah. so uh, that's a big deciding factor. As, as I said, that the timing is maybe difficult, but uh, it's not because they're mad at me. <laughs> All right. Can we pray for you? Lord, we just love this family. We declare this scripture over them. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by you. You have the right place for them, Lord, where the needs of their family can be met. We thank you for Yoan, Lord, and their family. And Lord, uh, this what we term special needs, Lord, you will use and you will work through it. Hallelujah. And Lord, we believe that it will not change the outcome of your purpose and your plan for their lives nor for his life. But you will work it together to the good. Thank you, God. We send them out, Lord, with our blessing and our love. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we just know and sense that nothing is broken here, that the friendships remain and the love remains. And we thank you for that, God. You're a great God. You're a mighty God. You do wonderful things. And we ask for wonderful things over this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody want to add anything to that? Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence of God in this Memorial Day weekend as you think about those that have served our country and served this world and gave their lives. That's what we're called to do as well, to give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.